So, hey, um, it's Mother's Day weekend. Is this Mother's Day weekend? This is Mother's Day weekend. Holy. Yesterday, I forgot a whole day. You know, I lost a whole day there. Now I'm losing Mother's Day. I'm going to have to do something about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm married to a mother, if you don't know. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's kind of a big deal in your household. When we moved here, that's when we had everybody over the first time at this house. And that's what we usually host the Mother's Day thing. And it's uh, it's a good 30 people kind of to do. Yeah, yeah. Do uh, now is that happening this year, and you just have totally nope. forgotten about it? You, you've got a huge ass party on Sunday. That... Our whole family, and when I say our, I mean her side. They're fully uh, COVID nineteen out. So I had a guy, um, I had a guy yell at me on a run the other day. Took a took a little jog, but the this road that I went down, only one side of the street is paved. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like jogging, and he's like walking his dogs down the sidewalk. And he totally just stands his ground, like won't move to one side or the other, like uh, like he's he's ready to like. He wants to go like, mano like, a mano with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. He's like ready, to, like Clint Eastwood, like the good, the bad, the ugly, draw on me, and so I like run off to the side, and he just starts. I had my headphones in. I was you know listening to a a show, so I couldn't hear exactly, but I I know he was like bitching at me for jogging i'm assuming up the left side of the street so the oncoming traffic side of the sidewalk but it's because there was no sidewalk on the other side because it was a, a whole wooded area that's anyways yeah people are starting to lose their damn minds i mean they we got uh did you hear the uh the, the story up in flint the, about the lady that went into the dollar store and she got yelled at for not having a mask and she went home and threw a fit and her husband and kid came back up and shot the guy nice. at the dollar. When this all started, that's where my mind went immediately. I mean, I get pandemic and you got to make some changes, but to go full martial law and get the social engineering of the peers, you know, they do have states asking neighbors to report people. There have been arrests and there have been. Yeah. Yeah. And there's uh, I just saw one of the ladies got seven days in jail for uh, for uh, for opening up her business and taking business in hairdresser. Yeah, I saw yeah. I saw that. I read that. But I'm, anyway, the long story short is it's crazy. People are acting wild. And the longer this goes, it's going to get crazier. Yeah, well, because people are getting, I mean, people are getting itchy. They're getting antsy. I mean, well, they're nervous. They're Michigan, scared shitless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That too. Yeah. Luckily, here in Michigan, it keeps, it keeps getting these. Cold, like we're going to hit another cold snap here coming up this weekend, where it's going to be back in the twenties. Yeah. At night. But if this was a typical spring, where it was literally in the seventies every day, like it should be right now. Yeah. And everybody wanted to be out enjoying themselves, it would be really bad. It's bad enough that it's dipping back down for a high in the 40s and 50s here, you know, this weekend. But uh, in another in another two weeks, if, if this stuff doesn't get lifted, people are gonna lose their damn minds. Well, I think they're scared right now. I mean, you know, above and beyond being cooped up in a house. I just heard on the news it was uh, yesterday or the day before. They were saying that Ford is getting ready to ship out all these ventilators that they switched production over to. Yeah, well, good on that, but what are we going to do with them? 
what you're gonna ship them out now like it's yeah this is like the end of it so but now we've so we've switched over the production to ventilators to sell to a government that isn't even gonna need or use them right maybe for the next pandemic <laughs> yeah, yeah getting, getting ready ahead of time. If there's anybody left, till we find out, it's the next pandemic's going to be a stomach flu, <laughs> not a not a respiratory one. We're and all the toilet paper's toilet. still gone. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still don't get the toilet paper thing because you still can't go buy toilet paper. And I'm like, who's hoarding it now? I mean, this is right. two months into this. Three so months I'm putting, into I'm, this. Put, I'm putting a bidet in. But uh, anyway, anyway, yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts, and I keep waiting for you know. I, I'm getting my popcorn and just watching. I, I, I read the news sparsely anymore because most of it is just bullshit. You can't get any truth out of them. Uh, but I do like to see the stories of the people losing their shit. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's entertaining. Like any good horror suspense <laughs> film, it's, it's frightening and entertaining at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Well, hey, uh, welcome to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. Your home for conspiracy theories and coronavirus scuba diving. COVID-1984. Speaking of 1984, you know what I did? Um, I was I was looking through my old magazines, and what I started doing is I just, I just reached up. I was grabbing, grabbing a bunch of magazines, threw them on my desk. Started flipping through, and uh, I said the first the first magazine that I come across that is from the month of May, I'm going to look through it and see if there's uh, something interesting that we can chat about. And it didn't take me long, but I found a sport diver, was one of the ones I grabbed, from May of 2006. So... Um, you know, a good fifteen years ago, nearly. So it's we could consider that the past, well into the past. You do remember your first set of dive gear? Well, yeah, hell yeah. What I can't um, re- I can't remember my wife or kids' birthdays. I re- <laughs> I remember I remember every curve, every detail of that regulator, that Mare's. 
My first one was a Decor 960 XLP. This is the first one you bought, right? This is what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, that was right? about, yeah, the first one that I got. I was going to say the first one I bought it was I came home and I went to to Don's dive shop and bought bought a Mare's MR12. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he sold it to yeah. me. He sold it to me. I was I was like I didn't know what to you know, new, newly certified. I was going to get a Scuba Pro because I had used some Scuba Pros over in the Middle East, and then um, and I used that uh, Salvis model as well over there. But uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, I had that XL XLP because it was the plastic adjustable second stage, and then um, I had that Omega Octo. You know, remember yeah. that classic. Yeah. Oceanic uh, Octo that you could side breather, you could breathe off it either way. It was the whole pitch with that one, and uh, an old remember the old like hockey stick Data Master computer. Yeah, you know, air it was air air integrated. You had one of those, eh? I did. Well, what, yeah, what, yeah. what year was this again? By the time I when I, when I bought stuff, this would have been ninety. One. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say you were yeah, you were a little bit after me, about five five years, yeah. a little bit more. Anyway, uh like I just had rental gear up yeah. until Okay, because my my wife bought a dive computer and they didn't really have dive computers when I was not not to to the extent like the oceanic data maxes and, and whatnot. Uh they had they Well I started had... I started working at the shop. Yes. Yeah, so it would have been 91 that I bought it because I started working at the shop and then wanted to get some stuff right away. So I got a, it was used, it was a used set. And I just, you know, took whatever, 50 bucks of the, the money that I earned, you know, working after school, you know, paid off my $500 tab a year or whatever it was, you know. <laughs> well, that's nice. Had the old uh, Spectrum 4 ADVI. BCD jacket. The you know that Spectrum, one? yes, yes, Old I do. Spectrum Four. That that was semi respectable as a as a BCD jacket. Now the one I had was a complete clown. Uh, it was a decor. Remember that old yellowy orange decor that had like a a red blue little little stripe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it and you kind of swam in it. It had these huge arm <laughs> openings that were like they went from my shoulder to my waist pretty much the arm opening and so like you get in it and they just float up on you. Yeah, when yeah, you, 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 you sink surface, down and cuz you got a weight belt on, you sink down in it. <laughs> it floats <laughs> and it, up and the yeah. shoulders are up here over your head. I got a picture yeah, of yeah. me in the water with that and I'm like I look well, I look the, like a jack hole in that. And that's still the issue with a lot of those rapper BCDs even still today is that they they do that same thing is you fall down into them so sloppy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to get something to fit you like a jacket that is designed to float too because even with a regular a regular life vest slash life jacket, you know, you get on a Coast Guard approved vehicle or a boat, um, they, that's how they fit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I remember. What I was, remember. Uh, you, what was the first dive computer you bought? You remember that? So I told you when I was uh, away in the service, I got certified, and then uh, I came back, and my wife, who was my girlfriend then, I was always talking about scuba diving. So when she, uh, after she graduated college, she was working at UPS. So she went and took a scuba class at Sea the World then, uh, Old Marshall and 
Mike. Okay, yeah, yeah. Taught her. So anyway, she bought a whole setup from you guys at Sea the World while I was gone. And she had uh, the Data Max or the Oceanic Puck Data Max, you know. Yep. And so I would, if I were to use a computer, I would use hers. But mostly, I was just doing a bottom timer and and depth gauge. So that's what. It, but my first computer that I bought was uh, uh, the Dive Right Nitec. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, the, the big, the big yellow one. The big yellow one. It was for it, for it uh, had a tiny, tiny screen. Yeah. <laughs> but it looked <laughs> it cool. covered. Yeah. It covered your yeah. whole forearm, uh-huh. and it had like a. Uh, a screen like a Timex watch. Yes. Yep. That was my first oh, yeah, computer. Yeah. That, that thing was well. That was like one of the first real Nitrox compatible, exactly. you know, computers. Yeah, that was a that was a big thing there in those days. Oh, you know what? I take that back because I took uh, an instructor course. I took an instructor course for SSI, and I they made they sold Scuba Pro exclusively. And so I had to buy a whole new set of regs. You know, the D four hundred they was their big seller that they wanted, right? Do you remember the old D four hundred? Oh yeah. So I had to buy that. Yeah. I had to buy the Scoop Pro. Well, you had yeah the the, the stab jacket stab jacket have, yeah, yeah the stab jacket and then uh, of course the Scuba Pro uh, Air two and then I had a data you know the you remember the blue data track data max you could, you could interface with your computer. Do you remember that? Uh, oh, oh, oh! You're, you're thinking the um, that Aladdin one? Yes, Aladdin. It was the Aladdin yeah, yeah, data yeah. data track. I can't remember what exactly yeah, okay. it was called, but that was really the first one I bought. And then after that, I bought an iTech. Okay, yeah. yeah, and that had a a transmitter from my from my tank. It was one of the first to have a you know a, a transmitter from the tank. So they wanted me to have oh, yeah. that too. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I went through that 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 genre. Yes, that shoe genre. where uh, you know it was along that same line. It was the you know Mares had the um, I think it was the Genius back then was their first air integrated one. They used for a while and didn't just got tired of that transmitter having yeah transmission issues. <laughs> yeah, wild. So um, yeah, just. just I'm thinking back to like all the the BCDs I went through over the years. You know, early on, like yeah. I went from I remember the uh the 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 Sequest sales rep coming in mm-hmm. with the Predator BC. You remember the Predator? I don't remember it was, the Predator. But... It was before it was right before the Black Diamond. But it was the first <laughs> one to come out with the the stainless steel D-rings. It was like black and gray with like a little bit of red accent. It had this like tough rugged kind of look to it you know yeah they were going oh yeah that's that's, yeah that's that's bad to the bone man that's what (laughs) i need right there (laughs) gotta have one you see that guy in it he's looking like navy seal um and then like right after that is when i switched to the uh they came out that original 3d which was that they went back to the the back inflate kind of kind of controversially you know went back to the back inflate there and then and then everything, you know, I've been in a, a rear inflation style ever since that back in the, the early 90s there. Did you ever have the uh, the old Dive Right Trans Pack? I did, yep. So I went, uh, that's when I, when I took my, what, advanced 
nitrox and deco procedures um switched over to that for a while yeah i did it i got it because i could go from single to doubles right yeah same kind of thing it was like oh this is the the perfect the the, the perfect uh, go in between do anything and then it, it did neither very well it, you know that was the problem to me yeah yeah i still have it i still have that thing but uh yeah, I didn't think it did either one very well. That's when I was like, these soft backpacks weren't for me. You know, at least at the point they were right then. I don't think they had it down, my opinion. And then, um, yeah, so back to my regulator. You know, I had that Decor. Then I switched over to that MR-12-3 mm-hmm. by Mari's as I well. And then uh, you know, I used that for a couple years and then upgraded to the Abyss. And I dove that Abyss for a really long time. The old abyss. Before, before I finally moved everything over to um, Apex. these Apexes yeah. that I've been diving now for like 10 years. It appears you never went through the uh, Poseidon stage. I never <laughs> I never purchased the Poseidon. I had, no. I had a shitload of Poseidons. I, I've been through like a dozen of them easily. I've had the Cyclones. I've had the Showerheads. I've had them all. They weren't too bad. I... They were different. It was hard to teach with them because in rental gear, they didn't have Poseidons. And, you know, you got to show how to clear the rag and whatnot. It's a little different on the Poseidon showerhead jobbers, the jet streams, the Odins. Yeah. And uh, I had Poseidon as my my Octo, too. So I was teaching a regular rec class right when I was first an instructor and uh, donated with it. The person had, had a hard time. And that's when I was like, we went over this, but, you know, she didn't realize how hard it was going to be to push that button. Anyway. Well, yeah, because it's not just push the whole entire face. Right. On that, that jet stream, you've got to hit it almost right on the money. Right. And, and yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, wild stuff, man. Um, so th- th- that's where, so it got me thinking about these things, looking at this article of old Carl Shrevesy wrote about uh, how, do you, how to buy dive gear as the title of the article. And I was, and as I was looking at it, I was reminded of like, you know, how what I was kind of told as far as buying gear when I was a kid, versus what I tell people now versus what other instructors and, and the the thoughts people have when they go from just being that early student to deciding they want to buy gear, what they're being told, especially now like being spring, and people are. Probably thinking and <laughs> wanting to get gear and get out there and go diving. They probably are. <laughs> We're gonna, they're probably just thinking, I just want to get out. I just want to go out. I want to get outside and do anything. I want to go. I want to be around one. people. I would like, I mean, I want to go to a bar. That's what I want to do. I want to go to a bar, sit down and hear people laughing, right. eat, have somebody serve food to me. That's what I want to do. I hear music and, and laughter. I don't. This is this is getting old. Anyway, yeah, I I miss the sound of a million conversations. Yes, you know, buzzing around me as I uh, try to talk to whoever I'm at the at the pub with. Yeah, and although we we've done the the Zoom meetings, the happy hour is just not the same. It's just not the same. It's it's you know we need to put a little music in the background of our. I'm gonna go see if I can find a bar track. That oh, I can that, play yeah, in the background, one. yes. Yeah, 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 we need that for <laughs> yeah. now. I agreed. For our, our Zoom meetings. But um, I don't know. Anyway. Um, so in this section called Diver's Ed, 
where they talk about expanding your knowledge of skills, education, and health for diving. There's this little section that's beyond the manual that Carl writes how to buy dive gear and when the best is the better choice. Because when I got my first set of gear, I did not go with buying the best. I bought on what I could afford and value, right? Because I, I didn't have any money as, as, a, as a kid. So I got, I got decent stuff that would do the job so that I could get in the water and go diving. On, you know, the, the basic 20, 30-foot little local dives that, that we were doing, quarry dives and stuff like that, you know. But, I mean, even if you do have the money, don't you? Sure, I can afford to go buy some incredibly insane high-priced piece of dive gear. But it's not necessarily the best, number one. And I still balance my decision with money all the time. I'm like, I, I just don't well, yeah. willy-nilly blow as much money as I possibly can just to say I've got the most expensive one. And, and there's that discussion right there, right? Is, is the most expensive the best, right? That's a, that's a big, big question, you know, because I would say in a lot of times, knowing what I know now, definitely not. And in, and in other places, you know, spending the money on the on the much better one makes a lot of sense. But I think the way I did things early on makes sense looking back because if I had just asked my mom, hey, buy me all this really expensive high-end stuff, 10 years later would I still be using it anyways? You know what I mean? Like, True. It is what I thought was the best really what I needed as my diving changed and my mm-hmm. abilities changed down the road, I would say no. Like So just getting in the gear, getting in the water, learning, building some experience set me up for learning what I really needed and wanted. Agreed. Yeah, you don't know where you're going to be going with diving. I mean, if you don't know, you definitely do not want to be just going buy whatever that guy over there, the instructor has. Well, which is what generally what what you do. Yeah, I know a lot of people right? do. And generally as an instructor, I would say most instructors, if their student says, "Hey, what kind of beer uh what kind of beer should I buy?" What kind of beer do you do you drink? What kind of beer should I buy? You. Well, you know what it's going to be. I buy you. It's going to be actually the answer is going to be the same because you're going to you're going to hold up your Guinness mm-hmm. and you're going to go, "I think you should have a Guinness." A Guinness, mate. Because that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> Just like that instructor is going to go, "Well, I'm using this regulator." Right, buy this one too. I'm using this computer. You should buy this one too. And most instructors are probably selling and promoting the gear that they're using. Well, yeah, and that's why a lot of shops say, you know, if you're going to teach for me, you you have to be in either my best gear or nearly my best gear. And usually, you look to work for a shop that says, "Hey, here's here's at least key man for you," if not just saying, "Here's a set of gear for you." A set you of know. anyway. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Carl starts off by saying, as an experienced instructor, I'm frequently asked for my advice about investments in dive equipment, but I typically avoid brand-specific recommendations. This is partly because I feel it's important not to appear to show favoritism, partly because I'm not an engineer, and partly because if you can't tell my preferences by looking at the gear I wear, nothing I say is going to help anyway. Fortunately, he mentions, 
all but one of the major scuba equipment manufacturers offers top-notch, high-quality, reliable products. All but one. (laughs) All but one. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And uh, then he, he laughs and says, I'm kidding. They all do. I'm just checking to see if you're awake. Here are my general recommendations for choosing dive gear, he says. Now, I think most of the manufacturers have a high-end model and then a, a lower-end model. You know, that you, you're trying to grab the entire demographic of divers. You, you don't just say, okay, you know, we have the super high-priced um, one. But. Well, the majors, I would agree with you. Yeah. When you, when you look at the majors out there, they have you know, a line of regulators, you know, from the $300 model to the $2,000 model. And there's a price jump and a feature jump every $50, you know, in between those two ranges, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, depending on the kind of diving you're going to do, I mean, they're all going to work in general, shallow, warm water, they're going to be like, like recreational depths. They're going to like every regulator is going to work. No doubt about it. The question is, you know, the resistance to the elements, the performance in deeper water, colder water, the more extremes. That's where your longevity and longevity, yeah. robustness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can it like, take a beating? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. That, so that's what you're paying for in the long term right right exactly that's and that again you go back to just because you get the most expensive doesn't necessarily mean it is the most robust or best performing or whatnot so gotta look past the price tag but generally you gotta pay for a good reg and that's what i tend to tell people like if you buy yourself a good quality regulator right if you're if, if there's one place to throw a couple extra bucks that's probably it. Yeah. Because you're you're not going to grow out of it. No. Like you would, you know, buying the the high high end wetsuit versus the middle of the road wetsuit, right? Uh you're not going to like really wear wear it out in so much as wearing the knees out, wearing the mm-hmm. you know, the zipper out of a of a regulator. And like I I divide them up into like three like three zones regulators. So there's that like three to five hundred dollar mm-hmm. entry level reg, first and second stage, and then there's that like five to eight hundred dollar regs where you definitely see a climb in performance and and environment where you can take um, and then you've got like the thousand dollar and up models which. I don't think is a linear climb in performance anymore. You're you're just jumping to a different plateau of ultra fancy features that I'd agree. Super lightweight, you know, reflection resistant, ruby, ruby valves. Yeah, you get all that like like flash, right? Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Yeah, I think you get to a point. Those you got high performing, robust regulators in that upper middle range of price and then you go to that high-end price and again it's just like you said they're a little lighter they're a little flashier the you got a, a certain brands automatically my mind goes you paid a chunk of change for that thing and you know that's cool I guess. yeah right right yeah yeah, yeah. 
and, uh, and and you might want that. Yeah, right? you might want the super lightweight, you know, flashy, high end, you know. You, you might be. Um, you might be like the guy, you know, the 48-year-old who needs a Corvette because he is has shortcomings in areas. So it's making up. There's one way to make up for it in the scuba world. You buy the Corvette of, of scuba regulators, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a- ask That's- any woman. Like when they see a middle-aged guy, a fat, old, bald, middle-aged guy driving a Corvette, a new Corvette with the top down. What do they think of? What's the first thing? I'm also wearing my Ray-Ban sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah. I don't have a Corvette. I am the I, fat I, old bombing guy with Ray-Bans. To, I tend to like the General Motors engineering. <laughs> yeah. Don't uh... <laughs> Exactly. So he starts off by looking at two different categories. Equipment investment for experienced and professional level divers and equipment investment for beginner and infrequent divers. So so hear me out on uh, the description of these two. He says, suppose you're an instructor and you need a new pair of fins. Do this. Go to your paddy dive center or resort and ask to see all the top of the line fins they carry. Then figure out which fins best meet your preferences and this is the part where some people trip up buy them and then he says for the beginner and infrequent divers suppose you're an open water diver student interested in your first regulator do this go to your paddy dive center remember he's writing this for the paddy sport diver magazine go to your dive center resort and ask to see all of the beginner and middle of the line models Next, here's where some people trip up. Don't buy one. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting, right? That's not what we were thinking he was going to say. We were thinking he was going to say the beginner should get the, the, the cheap model and the, the professional get the high-end model. He says the most common error among beginner infrequent divers is investing in second best just because they're new or don't dive much. That only makes sense if you agree with the following. And he gives us a few uh, examples here. He says, I don't need to see as well as the dive master when it comes to my mask purchase. I don't need to swim as well as the seasoned diver on my fin purchase. When making a BCD purchase, do you say, I don't need to control my buoyancy as well as an instructor? Or that I don't need to breathe as well as my pro when I'm considering my regulator choice. Or I don't need to be as warm or comfortable as an advanced open water diver when I'm thinking about my exposure suit purchase. Which, his perspective being when you look at that high-end gear versus the low-end gear, is it a matter of the pros get the high-end stuff, the new people get the, the cheapy entry-level stuff? And I, I, I'm saying I don't think it's as black and white as that. I agree. I agree. It's it's not even close to as black and white as that. You, you, you but need I to do put understand some, that some thought into it. I think, but yeah. and I think that's I think that's kind of the point of his, his article. You know, so for the new the new person looking at gear, especially nowadays with with everything being so at your fingertips, and and you don't have 
a lot of divers, you know, especially in the, in the the coming future, like don't have that guidance of a shop professional. They just go to the website and there's 50 regulators to choose from. Well, what one do I get? Well, I'm new. This one's 200 bucks. That'll be fine, right? I, I'm just getting started. Why would I need the $2,000 model? But then there's that whole middle middle of the road range, that six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred dollar range regular that you and I were talking about the the upper end of that middle range, which in a lot of times, in my opinion, gets lost in the in the view because it it doesn't have the cheap price tag and it doesn't have all the flash, but quality wise it does. But you don't see that when you're looking at all those regulators online right yeah like the right. workhorse and, and you're racks, not getting yeah. yeah exactly that's my point the 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 robust workhorse long-term dependability regulators mm-hmm. that are are just that they're not flashy yeah they're not they value just get priced. the job done and they last they get, and, and they last you know and they breathe well yeah 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 well i think back when i went over to apex was way back when they were British and they were Apex, right? Zegel, I think, had a contract with them so they could put Zegel's name on the Apex regs. But that was it. You had an Apex or a Zegel, which was an Apex. There's no difference. They just put the uh, decal on the purge button kind of thing. Correct, yep. Back then, you could get, you know, the old DS4 and TX50 second stage, whatever. You could get that for $150. It was one of the cheapest regulators on the market. And it was a workhorse. And it's still the same. Well, I know they've done a little bit to the exterior of the first stage these days. And the second stage is a little smaller now. But the internally, internally, same reg. It's the same reg they've been building for 30 years. Exactly. And it's a workhorse. And it you know it breathes nice. And it, it takes a beating. And it's easy to service. And all those good things. But they, of course... You know, Aqualung bought them and jacked up the price, but they're still not badly priced. They're they're in that middle of the range workhorse price range. You know, right? Well, early on when they were an early regulator, they basically had one regulator. Yeah. Well, you could it, get it was different one, you ports could get it with or, or without, turret. You, yeah. you could get it with or without the turret, <laughs> right. but it was one essential regulator. Um. And then, like we were talking about with the majors, you know, when yeah, when Aqualung came in and had them basically redo their line, they took that one regulator and exploded it into twelve different models. You know, from three four hundred dollar to fifteen hundred dollar model with with or without all these different features. So Shrevesy says, "Sounds kind of stupid, huh?" The truth is. Performance is performance, whether you dive 12 hours every day or one hour every 12 months. Its importance doesn't change with dive frequency, and its value doesn't change with experience. This means gear selection is the same whether you're a beginner or a pro, a frequent or an infrequent diver. Figure out which top-of-the-line model best meets your preferences, and then buy it. So yeah, finding the, finding the gear that is going to best suit you is a little bit of what you and I both went through of something that's going to meet your needs as a diver and can fit your budget as a diver that's going to allow you mostly in my opinion to get into the water and get enough experience under your belt you know you know get past 
those first hundred dives so you can really have an understanding of is this regulator limiting me right am i diving you know beyond it beyond it's, it yeah. right is 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 where i want to go not capable anymore or or is this more than what i need you may have gotten into diving like right off the get go realize you know thinking that you wanted to dive to all these extremes right away and then after 6 months of diving realizing you're totally content in 30 feet of water in Grand Cayman, and that's all you want to do. I think back on when I changed regulator brands, you know, whether it was from working at one shop and I, they wanted me to dive their their brand, so I had to change, to, uh, you know, having a free flow on a certain brand, and I attributed it to that regulator. Um, so I went, did a little research and asked around and, that's when I went over to the Poseidons because everyone said, well, you know, Poseidons are cold water regs. They're made for it. You know, you got to put the little vodka uh, on the cap on the back, but that's how yeah, you do the, it, the, man. The, yeah. the emergency vodka <laughs> Exactly. <shot. laughs> uh, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I don't think I moved, even, even if I could use the reg I was diving on day one. To, with the diving I do today or any of the diving I've done. It was still a good rag. It still could go down, you know, 200, 300 feet. It's still cool. It's okay. So I guess there were other factors that caused me to change my choice in regulators, A, being, you know, the serviceability and robustness, wh- where I'm at. Do they carry those rags? Are you going to have parts? Yeah, that's a certainly like that? a, a, a point of discussion for for people getting into having their own gear that you, that you might not really even consider on your first first go of, of wanting to have gear, right? Until you dive multiple places around the world and you need a you need this part like right now, and the only place you can get it is that one shop, or worse, you know, Jamesy, worse is when you went and bought your rag online. Right. Okay. And you got a knockoff or a black market or something. Maybe it looks like the other regs and maybe even has the, the name stamped on it, but it's it doesn't hold any of the manufacturer's warranties. It was a black market reg. And now you're really up a creek because you probably wasted close to the close to the same amount of money you would have got, you know, spent in a shop. And now you got something that A can't even get serviced at the shop that you thought it might and B Nobody can service it. You, you know, that's the problem with buying online from possibly a disreputable place, right? Yeah, well, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And because some shops just don't want to even bother with the liability right. of, of it, they just rather like, sorry. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to deal with this. He says, so why do they make lower line models? That's well, a good question. First, the lower line models make good backups. Second, ah. I, I would I would I would kind of disagree with that too. Yeah, go ahead. Just address that right there. Let's go do it. You go to get a reg. You buy your your first stage, second stage together, and then they say, "Well, what octo do you want?" And then and they have these less than optimal octos, right? Or backups. Right. We call them a backup or secondary versus your primary. My thought process is okay. So this reg you're hardly ever going to use. It's going to drag behind you. 
It's going to drag through the mud. It's of lower quality. It's cheap, right? They are, that's their selling point. It's a lot cheaper because you don't use it as much. You're probably never going to use it. You just want something there just in case. It may not even know, work. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, right. That's my whole thing is like, okay, so during the emergency when I, I'm probably going to want to breathe well and easy and rely on it and have some confidence in it and, and know that that thing's going to work. I've got the cheapest crap. The cheapest, lowest common yes. denominator possible for when the shit totally hits the fan. Bingo. That's what I have to go to. Yeah, I'm with you there. So I always look at it. There, there's kind of two schools of thought of that alternate second stage, that octop, the traditional octopus. It's, there's the overwhelming majority of the industry promotes the cheap octo because you'll probably never use it. You know, you just you need something there to get on the dive boat. They're not going to let you on a dive boat if you don't have an octo. So just get this cheap one. A lot of times, that's what's in their rental. It's good rag, primary in your first stage, but that octo they put on there is crap because they're probably the shop's trying to s- save some money. Correct. Yep. And they so they know we're, we're just going to put. We just have to have something on there so they can practice it. And the primary is so good that the likelihood of having a problem. It's so low. You just get to get away. So, so that's what I mean. Is that thought perpetuates? I'd agree. Yeah, and I, I would have thought by now. And I believe it, it should be the opposite. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. for me, my thinking is, when the shit hits the fan, I want to go to something that's working just as good as the one I've been counting on up until now. Exactly. Or if you're going to be the one, you know, you're donating that octo that's hanging on a supposedly an easily rippable thing, hookup. So your buddy is going to be supplying you your gas. Do you look at him and go, well, I hope you got the shittiest second stage that money can buy. <laughs> yeah, right, or, exactly. or do you say, hey, thanks for thinking of me. I notice you've got the exact same second stage as your primary and they're, and they're both good. No, there's so there's that thought there or what he's also talking about is as a backup model. So if you've got like a backup regulator assembly that you take with you, like just in case you have a, a first stage problem or a second stage problem, I could always go back to this. I could always use this one to get me by. Yeah. See, I, I'm not even a but fan again, of that. But I, again, I disagree with that too. Yeah. Like I don't want to like if I have to fall back on something and I'm going to put myself in this situation where I'm going to do the dive anyway. Right. So now I've got now I've got a mental and psychological stressor that I'm entering into this this game that we're playing, right? Adding into that, right? Because I just had a had an emergency with my regulator. Something's not working. It's going to bring in a stressor to me. So when I go to my backup, if if I add another psychological stressor of I'm using my shitty regulator, my cheapy regulator, right? It's taking it's going to take away from my performance on the dive. And like when, when we were down in um, when I was down in Cave there back in November, we had that situation. You know, all that like super fine Florida sand that's everywhere around those caves, like got in got into my first stage and fouled that high-pressure seat. It's so easy in that flow, you know? Oh, yeah. pushing yeah. sand all over the place, yeah. And then, like, post-dive, just blowing around, and that's where it was, like, changing regs. It got into, in and, like, blew in and, like, disrupted the, the, the seating of that high-pressure seat, right? To me, to, but that's middle of the week. Now, luckily, I had, you know, 
a couple of stage bottle regulators, a couple of deco bottle regulators with me that are all the same. So I could take one of those first stages, put it in, and I know that my system is 100% the same. Rather than having that little monster like biting at my like subconscious the whole dive, knowing, oh, yeah, your left post is that piece of shit one. Yes. Let's like look at the big picture. You, you bring a couple of regs with you. I got my, my good one and then my backup. So if you bring like a shitty one or even a different one as your backup, your primary goes, now you're going to this other one and you hope it's not going to fuck up. Whereas if you just say, like Einstein did, I have one one set of clothes. I don't got to think about what am I going to wear today. I want to interchange all this. Now in fashion, I get it. You want to change things up. With scuba diving regulators, just have one set. You can always cannibalize one and fix it. You can always keep going. You can't do that very often with two different regulators. Yeah, exactly. Well, especially if they're like different brands and, and different, like one's a balanced second. Yeah, one's a balanced second stage and one's, one's piston, an adjustable one's second stage. Yeah. Yeah. One's uh, like an over overbalancing first stage. They don't really match up that well. And, and even if you had two good regulators that were completely different in in philosophy of design when you cannibalize the two and put them together you generally are going to downgrade the overall performance of the whole system you know they're not made to do that i mean they aren't the the regs that are made to be able to interchange are the exact same models and brands so that's what you do and the real nice thing is they always breathe the same so you're not going to have that little voice in the back of your head this one's breathing a little harder or whatnot and by the way i i should point out to the people there that on this note of this like one one outfit thing you are rocking the 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 lebowski sweater again (laughs) i do have a uh, closet full of lebowski sweaters and uh i don't know as i've gained in age and my wife is always like the house is too hot she says so to keep her happy i keep this house at like 65 which means i wear a sweater i'm gonna get a pipe too (laughs) not going to say what yes. I'm putting in it. I'm just saying I'm getting a pipe. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Well, thanks. I'm taking that as a compliment. I forget who said it. Was it Jim Bernard or I can't remember? I, yeah, well, yeah, actually, good good memory. It was Bernard. Yeah. I did not take it as a as a cut down or by any means. I'm like, hey, I am what I am now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people will be happy to know that it's not the same one. He's got actually a whole closet. I do have a closet. Sweater. Yes. All right, so again, he mentions uh, the, the lower model being a good backup, and second, a lower cost model may be all you can afford. Be that as it may, it's cheaper to buy the top model to begin with than to buy the economy model and upgrade two months later. You're more likely to wish you'd bought the better model after buying the cheaper one than vice versa. And I, I, I get and I understand his second point more than his first point, but I would even throw like, like uh, an, uh, an addendum to that second point, meaning you're buying the cheap one because it's all you can afford, but that's because you don't know where you're going to go with this just yet. And I think getting a model and getting some experience is more important than waiting around I'd agree. to buy the, the right one, the perfect one. Because yeah. look at you and look at myself. Yeah. You're gonna like, change. I, I went through I went through many different models along the way, like honing in exactly what I wanted. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I went through the Sherwoods. I went through 
you know, Mari's Aqualungs. Yeah, and I tell you what, every pros. single time, every single time along the way, yeah, I was pretty confident that I had the right one for the oh, job. Yeah, they were all good regs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they're all good regs. I don't think I've, I had a bad reg. I worked at one shop that that I did not like their their main regs in, in rental, so I ended up buying on my own. Something they sold but didn't have, you know, very often because it was a high end. Anyway, the long story short was I always was happy with my reg choice at the time. Many other factors that made made me go into where I'm at. Mostly yeah. mostly it's longevity and robustness and easiness, the ease of servicing and, and repairing in the field. Yes, now. That's the way I am now. And, and mostly for me is the value of the consistency between all my regulators. Well, yeah, uniformity is, is you know, I, huge. Yeah, I could I could take a stage bottle regulator that I don't need for this dive, cannibalize the first and second stage, and I have once again the exact same regulator that I was going to use anyways. Right. That's exact that's the there's huge a huge benefit, value yes. to that in me. Yeah. The only time I don't recommend investing in the top model is when the added performance exceeds your training and experience. And the current models will be outdated before you're ready for them. For example, he says, if you're a brand new diver, you probably don't need to invest in a multi-gas trimix tech computer. You may eventually tech dive, but the time you do, or but the time that you do, the models available today will probably have been eclipsed by something newer better easier to read and powered with inexhaustible nuclear batteries what you really want is the top computer that runs enriched air nitrox but probably not the tip top whiz bang seven gas trimix computer that he coins the ttwb7 gtc yeah i I would agree you definitely don't i don't think Anybody needs that, but. <laughs> and he says, if you if you don't need the TTWB seven GTC, you probably definitely don't need two of them. Well, he says you do need, and if you do need the TTWB, well, if you do need yeah, one, you you, need, you probably you need probably two. need two, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what the way it goes when you start diving at that level. Uh, you're gonna well, start. And, going and again, diving. when you look at. When you look at computers, so many people come in and they. One of the things that they say to, to the the clerk behind the counter is, "I just want to buy it once." You know, so so they want to buy the best, so they get the, the highest end, flashiest computer. But the best for the sport diver and the best for the technical diver and the best for the cold water shipwreck diver and the best for the traveling Caribbean diver might not all be the same product. And you need to get out there and start diving to know where you're going to get the value from what it is that you're actually doing. I'd agree. You got to get diving. You got to meet people. You got to see other regs in the field and you got to get experience and, and know what you're looking for when you go to buy that next reg. That knowledge, it's hard to get without experience. Yeah, no doubt about it. Bottom line, he says, if it makes you more comfortable in the water, it's probably worth it. Besides, going for the top of the line means you have simple taste in dive gear. You simply want the best. 
You simply want the best. Well, but again, uh, the best is a subjective term. Exactly. And that's what I think we should emphasize, or I think we were emphasizing, is what does that mean to be the best? Is it the most expensive? Is it the, I don't know, made of the best materials? Or is it what does what you need it to do the best way possible and is most reliable? Right. Because uh, when you look at dive computers, right, you can do something that's all the way on the high end, like that Perdix, right, at a thousand, you know, virtually fifteen hundred dollars if you want the full air integration and everything. And you can also get for three hundred dollars a pretty basic, low end, simple computer that will allow you to do the same type of diving without all. And then there's a million different computers without all with, with different variations in between those, right? So you can have a $300 computer that will do air mode, nitrox mode, and you can drop it into a gauge mode. And you could use that thing from beginner open water, advanced diver, technical diver, full trimix diving. It'll You could use it for everything. And then you could also, you know, get that real high-end Perdix, which will do the same thing. You could use it as a basic open circuit recreational mode, technical mode, all the way into mixed with a CCR, everything. Agreed. You you do a good job of recommending equipment in the shop. I notice when, when new divers come in, and old divers for that matter, but uh, you're in there all the time, you get to see and service a ton of equipment, which is good, and you've used a bunch yourself. So that's that's super helpful. You know, I just want to tell people, this is what I use. This is how I learned. This is what I wanted. I, I had things break on me. I was in faraway places where I couldn't cannibalize the regs and I was stuck going to a rental at a shop or goofy things like that. And that I said, yeah, I don't yeah, want no that to happen. So you have a lot of experience behind your decision-making. So when you recommend a set of gear to somebody, right? And let's say they, they end up believing in what you said and they buy a complete carbon copy of your, of your whole rig, right? So the next time you guys show up to a dive site, he goes, Hey, Brando, I took your uh, recommendations. Look what I got. Right, and and you guys are you're on your way to the keys to do uh, to for lobster mini week, right? And there he shows up with his CF two hundred dry suit, reg din regulators for a set of doubles, a doubles <laughs> wing, right? And you guys are going to get on a on a boat with a like a single aluminum eighty in eighty five degree yeah. water, uh, right? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa! You did some overkill, Inter- inappropriate decision, right? So you missed my, you missed my, you point. missed the point, yeah, because yeah, I still dive basically that gear, but but downsized, you know, I don't need twins, yeah, the, yeah it's just stuff like that. That yeah, or or maybe the guy gets you know gets all that stuff, and then he realizes that the only type of diving that he really does and enjoys and, and can find time for a year later is when he uh you know takes a cruise with his wife once a year and he can get two quickie dives now he's like okay i got all this really high-end stuff but i'm not even coming close to, to using it to its potential i would have actually preferred something cheap and lightweight and that's the point of even just just because you're buying the quote-unquote best doesn't mean it's going to be the right stuff in your story long term if you're not diving that much and whatnot you, you don't need it's a little overkill you don't need it you won't go wrong if you i mean it's not a bad choice by any means but it's definitely a little overkill 
if you're doing a cruise and hitting a yeah. 30 to 50 foot reef uh, once a year, twice a year. So yeah, yeah, a lot of things to take into consideration when when purchasing gear. I thought this article was pretty good as far as at least examining how people go in and buy gear. I don't agree necessarily with every single point, especially that go ahead and get a backup that's of less quality. I don't agree with that at all. If you're going to have backup of anything, yeah. it should be the exact same thing that you you've got as your primary. That's I agree with so. you there. But yeah, I think it's a it's a good article and. Uh, Although it's you know nearly fifteen years ago, the the timing of it in the springtime uh, of, of people considering getting out and getting gear and wanting to go diving makes perfect sense, and I'm glad we could bring that to the people on this great dive. The confined people, yes. Well, hopefully they're not confined too much longer, and they can get out there and start diving. And all right, should we sign uh, logbooks? Let's sign Wrap a damn logbooks. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, these are unprecedented times, and we uh, are all in this together. So be safe, stay home. Oh, and get out diving if you can. <laughs> I have a sign here. Um, thank you for letting me borrow your backup TTWB7 GTC. It's a, I've got four of them. I've got, <laughs> I've got two primaries and two backups. So, yeah, nice dive. Good dive. Good choice, right, James. Good deal. All right, people. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, good. It's a wrap.